Hello and welcome to Cumber Baptist Church Podcast. The following is taken from our morning service, Sunday 18th of August, 2019. This morning we are joined by Pastor Clifford Morrison, who takes his reading from 2 Kings, chapter 8, and brings us a message entitled, Counting on the Invisible. We're turning to 2 Kings, chapter 6. 2 Kings, chapter 6. And we're commencing to read at verse 8. Second Kings chapter 6 and verse 8. Once when the king of Syria was warring against Israel, he took counsel with his servants, saying, At such and such a place shall be my camp. But the man of God sent word to the king of Israel, Beware that you do not pass this place, for the Syrians are going down there. And the king of Israel sent to the place about which the man of God told him. Thus he used to warn him, so that he saved himself there more than once or twice. And the mind of the king of Syria was greatly troubled because of this thing. And he called his servants and said to them, Will you not show me? Who of us is for the king of Israel? And one of his servants said, None, my lord, O king, but Elisha the prophet who is in Israel tells the king of Israel the words that you speak in your bedroom. And he said, Go and see where he is, that I may send and seize him. It was told him, Behold, he is in Dothan. So he sent their horses and chariots and a great army, and they came by night and surrounded the city. When the servant of the man of God rose early in the morning and went out, behold, an army with horses and chariots was all around the city. And the servant said, Alas, my master, what shall we do? He said, Do not be afraid, for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. Then Elisha prayed and said, O Lord, please open his eyes that he may see. So the Lord opened the eyes of the young man, and he saw. Behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. And when the Syrians came down against him, Elisha prayed to the Lord and said, Please strike this people with blindness. So he struck them with blindness in accordance with the prayer of Elisha. And Elisha said to them, This is not the way, and this is not the city. Follow me, and I will bring you to the man whom you see. And he led them to Samaria. As soon as they entered Samaria, Elisha said, O Lord, open the eyes of these men that they may see. So the Lord opened their eyes, and they saw, and behold, they were in the midst of Samaria. As soon as the king of Israel saw them, he said to Elisha, My father, shall I strike them down? Shall I strike them down? He answered, You shall not strike them down. Will you strike down those whom you have taken captive with your sword and with your bow? Set bread and water before them that they may eat and drink and go to their master. So he prepared for them a great feast, and when they had eaten and drunk, he sent them away, and they went to their master. The Syrians did not come again on raids into the land of Israel. Father in heaven, we thank you for your word. Your word is truth. Your word is able to make us wise unto salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. We thank you for the gracious person of the Holy Spirit. And we pray that through his ministry you will teach us what we do not know, that you will give us what we do not have and help us to be what you want us to be. 
through the impact of your word in our lives. For Jesus' sake. Amen. John arrived home from business and explained to his wife over tea that the manager came into the office and introduced his nephew to him and asked him to show him how he did his job. And John said to his wife, you know what that means? My 22 years of loyal service to the company will count for nothing against his nephew's claims. The manager is clearly on his side. Well, that may be true, said his wife. And on the other hand, it may not be true. But what is certainly true is that God is greater than your manager. And he is on your side and you are on his side. And you can rely on him. John's relief was obvious. He had forgotten to count on the invisible. And that's the story that we've read this morning concerning Elisha's servant. The principle and the power and the effect of counting on the invisible is shown to us so clearly in this Old Testament illustration that it makes the scene so relevant to us this morning. It happened when Israel's prophet, the godly Elisha, faced a circumstance so similar to Maybe the circumstances that you and I encounter in a variety of ways. And emphasizes this great truth. That there's always need for you and I to count on the invisible. Israel's enemies, the Syrians, found that all their military secrets were being made known. The king of Israel knew every plan they made after careful thought. They concluded that Elisha, who was not a spy, was the cause. He was informing the king of Israel of every proposed or actual Syrian move. And so the Syrians sent a great army together with horses and chariots to arrest him. They surrounded the city of Dothan, where he was living, and escape seemed impossible. And with Elisha was a servant who was dismayed as he saw the vast army with horses and chariots that had come to arrest just one man. Neither Elisha nor he had any weapons, nor could they call on any army to fight for them. And so in his panic he cries out, What are we going to do, Master? What are we going to do? What could two unarmed men do against this cordon of steel? The servant was fearful because he looked no further than what he clearly saw on earth. The wicked, evil powers of evil men. And in his looking, he had omitted the most important factor from his calculations. How did Elisha respond? Well, his response was a prayerful response. He said, O Lord, open his eyes. O Lord, open his eyes that he might see. You see, the servant could see the enemy, but not the Lord. He could see the danger, but not the deliverer. He was living on the plane of human calculation, which could not rightly assess the position he was in. He was viewing things from an earthly standpoint, rather than from a heavenly standpoint. 
And the Lord heard Elisha's prayer and opened the eyes of the young man. And he looked and he saw the hills full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. You will know your Bible well enough to know that often in the scriptures, fire is a symbol of God's presence. A presence that could preserve or destroy. And what this young man was seeing was that the Lord, the host of God, were all around them. This young man saw angelic hosts to the left and to the right, to the front and behind him. And he was going to learn this vital truth that those who defended them were stronger than those who opposed them. It's a fascinating story. It's a story that introduces us to beings from another world. It teaches us truth about the heavenly armies, poised, willing to go into action as soon as they receive their master's command. These creatures from another world sprang into life as fully grown. They were spirit beings who were invisible to the natural eye. And they will outlive all of us, for they come from a land where no one dies. And nothing, or no man escapes their gaze. They can move faster than the swiftest jet plane. They're always active. They have an amazing capacity and have no need of sleep. When we read about them in the Bible, they are invincible in their power. The psalmist tells us in Psalm 103 and verse 2 that they excel in strength. They are unlimited in number and always effective in everything that they do. And they can overcome every opposition. In battle, one is worth more than a hundred thousand men. We're told that one angel alone in one night destroyed a hundred and eighty-five thousand men. You read about them in Second Kings 19 and 35. And the letter to the Hebrews tells us that they're always here ready to fulfill God's purpose for his people. The late Dr. Billy Graham wrote a book entitled, I Believe in Angels. And this story emphasizes this great truth. God did more than this young man can even think or imagine. He opened the man's eyes so that he could see what was present all the time, though he did not be aware of it. And the message that came to the young man that day is a message that all of us need to hear from time to time. Fear not. Verse 16, don't be afraid. For those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And once the young man's eyes were opened, he saw the full force of Elisha's reassuring words. Don't be afraid. For those who are with us are more than those who are with them. In other words, God's powerful host outnumbered Satan's host. Every Syrian chariot was utilized by a powerful heavenly chariot. Every Syrian soldier was opposed by an angelic warrior who could blind him when he wished. And while the servant saw himself as one of the two against thousands of men and chariots, he had every reason to fear. 
But the whole scene is transformed. When he discovered that God and his assembled hosts were present to help him. The friends near him were more than the enemies who surrounded him. He was mysteriously defended and beyond all danger from the Syrians. And he could be content. And he could be at peace. Because God was with him. Whether or not Elisha actually saw the host, he knew they were there. He knew that God's power could be shown in many ways. And that he had used angelic forces to protect his people. He was certain that God would give a victory to truth and right and not allow the forces of evil to prevail. And he could say with the psalmist of old, I am not afraid of ten thousands of people who have set themselves against me round about. So what are the lessons to be learned? What truth needs to be taken from all this and applied to our hearts and various situations in which we at times may find ourselves to be in. Well, so often people today are limited by believing what they see with their eyes and hear with their ears and sense with their senses. But here we're invited to see something that is different. Something that is very different. Here... Elijah is doing what God wants you and me to do. Elijah, Elisha, sorry, is counting on the invisible. Paul makes a great statement in one of his letters to the church at Corinth. He says, we walk by faith and not by sight. When he writes to young Timothy in 1 Timothy 1 and 17, Speaking of the eternal God, he says, He is the king of ages, immortal, invisible, the only God. The enemy of Moses were the Egyptians. They were powerful. And yet Moses did not fear them because his eyes were on God. He was brave. He was bold. He was courageous. Why? Well, we're told in Hebrews chapter 11, that great hallway of faith, It says of Moses, he saw him who was invisible. You remember the story of the 12 spies who went to spy in Canaan? Ten were bad and two were good. What did they see when they spied in Canaan? Ten were bad, two were good. Some saw the giants tough and tall. Some saw the grapes and clusters fall. Some saw the Lord was in it all. Ten were bad and two were good. You see, there were ten who saw the giants but didn't see God. There were two who saw God. And it didn't matter about the giants. Did you know this morning that those who are redeemed, those who are saved by grace, those who are in God's family, are ministered to, served to, and protected by angels. Listen to what the writer says in Hebrews 1 and 14. Speaking of angels, they are all ministering spirits sent forth to minister. The word is to serve them who will inherit salvation. Who are those who will inherit salvation? You and me. 
And so, so comprehensive is God's care for us that he's always sending these willing servants to bring us the help that is tailor-made to meet our need in the situation in which we find ourselves every moment of every day. And that's why we're not to be dismayed by the strength of the evil that is among men, which is always greater at times numerically than the strength of the good. Our trust is in the invisible God, who is responsible for the sending of the host to change the balance of power on earth. And we would all do well and do our souls a great service if we were to follow the psalmist who said, I keep the Lord always before me. Because he is at my right hand, I shall not be moved. You see, our knowledge that angelic hosts are provided by God for our help is an adequate consolation when evil forces rise up against us. We cannot always see how good can win when evil is so deeply entrenched. At times the forces of evil seem to be so strong. And we seem powerless as indeed we are at times to do anything. But there's no need to fear. Because the angelic beings that God has sent to protect us from all attacks are greater than every evil. And when evil lurks, there are angels watching over us. We are never alone. When the danger moves in on us, the angelic spirits are beside us. And when we include the invisible forces in our calculations, we can never be inferior to wicked men. God can call this force into action at any moment to redress the balance of power against God's people. God can fill our streets, our surroundings, our homes with these invisible legions. You remember when Paul and Silas were in prison? Who led them out of prison? Read the story at Acts 16. The angels led them out. Who were riding the horses and the chariots in this incident that we read this morning, the angelic host, angels protecting, angels delivering the saints from temporal danger, who rescued Lot and his family, snatching them out of Sodom, angels, who were in the den of lions with Daniel, angels. And we have this host of heaven all around us. You see, the lesson this morning is this, that to take fear out of life, we need to walk by faith and not by sight. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, there is a great contrast in the chapter. If you compare the commencement of the chapter with the close of the chapter, you will see this contrast. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, at the beginning of the chapter, we read about, in verse 4, the God of this world. Who is the God of this world? Well, of course, he's the devil, the evil one. The God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ. The unconverted will never be converted until God opens their eyes to see until he opens their ears to hear, 
until he opens their hearts to receive the word of life. But the chapter closes with a vision that is molded by the glory that awaits us. Listen to what Paul says. He says, we do not lose heart. Do you ever lose heart? Do you ever say, is it really worth it? Do you ever have a difficult day and a difficult week? Here's the recipe for it. Paul says, we do not lose heart. Though our outward self is wasted away, our inner self is being renewed day by day for this light momentary affliction. Now that's a very interesting term that Paul uses. This light momentary affliction. What was he talking about? Well, he was talking about his troubles. Do you ever read about his troubles? Well, you read about his troubles uh, later on in this letter. Listen for a moment. He says, Five times I received at the hands of the Jews the forty lashes, less one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I was adrift at sea. On frequent journeys in danger from rivers, danger from robbers, dangers from my own people, danger from Gentiles, danger in the city, danger in the wilderness, danger at sea, danger from false brothers, in toil and hardship, through many a sleepless night, in hunger and thirst, often without food, in cold and exposure, and apart from other things, there is the daily pressure on me of my anxiety for all the churches. Nobody calls it a light momentary affliction. Why does he say that? Because that light momentary affliction was preparing for Paul an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. And so if at the beginning of 2 Corinthians 4 you have a vision that is marred by the God of this world, at the close of the same chapter you have a vision that is molded by the glory of the next world. We look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient. They are passing. They are temporal. But the things that are unseen are eternal. How do we see? We see by believing. We cannot always see the Lord's chariots by paying money or using a telescope. We get the view by faith. A faith that believes that God is active even when our senses do not reveal that he's doing anything. A faith that brings an assurance that God is at work in spite of the visible evidence that would seem to contradict that. The world around us seems so real. Indeed, nothing seems to be quite so tangible. Our faith assures us that there's another world beyond this which is just as real, though at present unseen. And so our trust is not in what we see because that is less powerful than what we cannot see. Listen to what the psalmist says in Psalm 27. Though an host should encamp me, my heart shall not fear. Though war rise against me, Yet I will be confident. Sometimes we find it difficult to trust the invisible God when the invisible, when the visible opposition is so strong. Think of God's knowledge this morning. 
God's knowledge is perfect. No one needs to tell him anything to increase his knowledge. He knows us. He knows our frame. He knows our limitations. He knows the struggle that we have with health issues. He knows our situations within our homes, within our families. He knows our strengths, our weaknesses. He knows our perplexities. He knows our opposition. He knows what will solve our problem and nullify any opposition. His power and his authority are unlimited. He has all the resources of heaven and earth to help us just now. And he can use angels, good people or bad, to accomplish his purpose. He is the sovereign, omnipotent God. He has unfathomable wisdom that will put his knowledge and power to the best use. And no blessing can be too great or too good for us to receive from him. And alongside his power and his knowledge and his wisdom, he loves us and he cares for us. In a few moments, we're going to be remembering the Lord Jesus and the breaking of bread. And if you're a Christian and you're trusting in Christ alone for salvation, you will want to take bread this morning and drink wine because in the taking of bread and the drinking of wine, you will be brought in spirit to Calvary and you will see this one, this beloved Son of God dying there for you and you will begin to see something of his love for you. And you will find that it's not difficult to trust in such a heavenly Father who loves you the way he loves you. You see, behind all the might of visible evil men are wicked invisible spiritual forces. Our battle this morning is not with flesh and blood. Ours is a spiritual battle. How important to us then are the Lord's chariots and horses to combat the evil. Greater is he who is in us than he who is in the world. The Lord is for us. Who can be against us? The power of God and his intentions to carry out his plans determines the course of world affairs. This morning, in spite of all that is happening, he has the whole world in his hand. And in every hour of peril and apparent defeat, we are surrounded with divine spiritual agencies that are more than equal for anything that we may encounter. The story this morning tells us that those who trust God and have their spiritual eyes open are able to see the invisible. Oh Lord, open his eyes. Do we need to ask God to do that very same thing? Oh Lord, open our eyes. How we thank God for his word.